Episode 58, How to Accept Apologies with Kimberly Bell. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today, Deb, myself, and guest Kimberly Bell discuss how to accept an apology. We explain how it can help you move past the story that might otherwise be stuck in your head and the impact it can have on your relationships. Hi, I'm Ron Macklin, the host of the Story in Your Head podcast and the founder of Imaginal Community, a new virtual space where you can discover how to change the world one relationship at a time. In the Imaginal Community, you can ask us questions, take online classes, and learn and grow with others who are transforming their relationship with themselves and with others. It's like social media for self-discovery. So to continue the conversation with us, join us over in the Imaginal Community by following the link in the show notes. We're excited to see you there. Hey everyone, it's Ron. Before we begin, please note that this episode contains references to childhood sexual abuse by a family member. Welcome to the story in your head. Our guest today, Kimberly Bell, as well, she's got a story to share with us. So if you could, Kimberly, could you start out with like a brief introduction of who you are? Maybe like a 45 second introduction. Okay, well, I am Kimberly Bell. I'm an inspirational speaker, one that loves to inspire everyone that I can, that is willing to listen. But I am a blessed mother of four adult children, one minor, and one one of the best state workers as a case manager. I, I am definitely love nature, love life, and I am just blessed to be here with you all today. Thank you Thank so you. much. Kimberly, we feel the same way. (laughs) And I, you know, you have a story of trauma that some people could get stuck with. Like I could see, I could see it could be, you could be stuck, but you did something different. Like, can you tell us about what did you do different to get yourself unstuck from that story? Oh, well, I first had to accept my story. I really believe I knew that I went through a lot before I turned five years old, and then five years old was definitely changed, being adopted and given by both parents to my paternal aunt and her husband. And even being misdiagnosed, I had to accept that those things had really happened, how my introduction of intimate sexual, sexual intimacy even came about. I had to accept that was you know, that should really happen. And it was, I was not responsible at 12 years old of the confusion of what had happened inside of a really Christian belief background. And that was from an extended family member that had sexually molested me for a whole year while I was with them. And so having four marriages, going into quitting school, feeling like my life is just how God had, you know, dealt the cards. And this is just what I had to do. I had to accept that there was different times that I brought out some resilience of being determined that even though I had quit school, that I needed to go back. 
I needed to accept and find out one, one time in my life, I found out I was just a procrastinator. I did not complete stuff. Even now, when it was down to housework, I would start something and then I would go to something else and then I would go back or what. And and I said, this is an area I have to, I started being determined, even with those little things of choosing for myself, that this just was not the way life was supposed to be for me and that I could choose and make a difference and do uh, my, my adopted dad, he only had a third grade education. And he said one thing that I always stuck with me. He said, when you know better, Kimmy, you do better. <laughs> and so I, I, I kept that seed in me and I let it, you know, just grow with little things that he had said. And, and another thing that he said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. So baby, you always stand for your truth. And so I had to look beyond feeling that abandonment issue and rejection issue and validation issue that I grew to embrace that that wasn't a part of my life that I should be carrying year after year after year and feeling that those things that happened in my life and those individuals that made a choice for themselves that I wasn't responsible for. So I had to accept that that guilt of shame and carry of those two biological parents that I knew that I loved, that I knew of, I wasn't responsible for their choice because at the end of the day, I was still a gift and I had lost that. At the end of the day, I had, I had was like wondering, how could I be a gift, but been given away? Not, you know, not received, not, not kept or reunited. You know, what was that so much wrong with me too? I had to accept there was nothing wrong with me. Every child is a gift, but I couldn't be responsible for what other adults chose to do. So I got into this analyzing my whole life and accepting that these things had truly happened. And some of those things were sad. Some of those things were, I had to acknowledge that some of those things were hurtful. Some of the things was just plain out wrong and I did not get justice, but guess what? I felt like I got into stuck in a rut that since my parents didn't fight for me, I looked into, and I remember marriages that I got into that I wanted someone to save me, fight for me. Instead of accepting, I have this and everyone's built within their own inner self that they can fight for their self. They can fight and choose a life that they want to have and, and not just be stuck in it, except this is just a life of I'm going to deal with, of an anxiety, of depression, of bitterness, of anger, you know, of shame that we can be free from it, but we have to choose to be free from it. And I found that liberation. And it was one of the best healing experience once I wrote the memoir and I released it. And I, not that I, it wouldn't work because it was work. I remember doing different seasons of my life. I gravitated to mental health, you know, providers. And in the generational era that I was raised, it was, like I said, very religious where mental health was not heard of. Even when I was in elementary school, one of my The resource at that time, it was called resource teacher that I spent six years with had 
really suggested for my family to have me see someone else to be counseled. And they said, oh, no, the power of prayer changes things. We, even despite of all that generational era and the stigma on that, I remember my first time, and that was during one of my marriages that I thought I was going to pretty much lose it when that did not work, going to the very first mental health therapist appointment. And it was a life-changing it was a decision, once again, a choice that I remember sitting in the parking lot and wailing and said, God, if this is not for me, no one will come to that door. But if it is for me, someone will come to that door. And when I went to that door, I'll never forget, I can't say her name, but she opened the door and I said, I need help. I need help. And that was like my first appointment. And it was life-changing. I, I know that I wouldn't be and it was years ago, but where I am now mentally, if I never had that appointment, one of the breaking sessions I remember, and I recall that we, that she had said to me that no one had ever said to me that I broke down like a baby is we were talking about my past. And when I said this was years ago, this was years before I even thought about doing a memoir, but she said, Kim, I'm sorry that had ever that happened to you. And I I never heard those words, even when I had, because like I said, the generational era was when I, I, my, my adopted dad never knew what had happened to me inside the home with the sexual encounter with an uncle, extended family member that they allowed to stay there. He died not knowing, but I was able to tell my adopted mother when I got grown. Now I'm a grown with, uh, with other kids and, and she, and she's, so funny now, but she said, because that was just a generation. That's how they analyze things. That's how they talk. They just swept things underneath the rug. Like, okay, it happened. It happened. But she said, well, I'm glad your dad never knew because if he knew he would have been a dead man, but that was it. That was it. So when, when my therapist, that first therapist has said, I'm sorry, it was just like a breaking moment for me that I knew that that was one of the best decisions that I chose to do for myself. And that was to seek mental health service. And so getting back to what you all asked, I had to start choosing. And I remembered different seasons of my life that I was able to choose to, I got to a very final point that I said, all these little seasons of my life that I ended up being resilient to choose now let me really go to the core and embrace all that I went through. Um, even the broken foundation don't have to end this way. I can set my chapter for what I, how I want my journey to end, which is a healthy relationship, not toxic, a, a, a relationship that I'm, I understand sexual intimacy is beautiful. It's not confusing, you know? Yeah. So I had to, you know, I had to choose that. Yeah. Kimberly, there was a moment when you said the therapist had apologized. Like, mm-hmm. like said, I'm sorry, that happened to you. And it's yes. an apology. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was the first time you'd heard that. The first time I heard that. What, like, tell me the story was in your head about that moment when she said that. It was absolutely like, on my memoirs, a picture of when I was five years old of, little brown child that the very first picture that my adopted parents had of me, I don't have any 
infant pictures. I don't have any pictures of my biological parents. And it was a two-year-older sister that I stayed with with them up until five. I have no pictures. So when she said that, I felt that child, that she seen me where I didn't believe or or really felt no one seen or no one acknowledged what exactly I went through. And for and it was just profound for you know you all you to ask me, but I just remember just this woman did not know me and she didn't look like me. Uh, you know, I'm an African American. She was okay. She didn't look like me that she actually seen me and she's apologizing for everyone at the the whole situation that this has happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think that's a great space to, yeah. to, to look at. I grew up with a story that I apologized when I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. If I did something wrong, I would apologize. Right. And I was what I was trained. Mm-hmm. And yet here's a woman who didn't do anything wrong. Well, she may have done something wrong, but she didn't do anything wrong with you. Right. And she apologized and you got the benefit of yeah. rewriting your stories, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Going back and looking at the five-year-old, going back and, and yeah. lifting all that that you had on you, kind of lifting it off. Yeah, yeah. And yet, that's not how we're taught. That's yeah. not the stories we have. That apology, we only do that when you do something wrong. So in a way, apologizing is when you're guilty. Yes, yeah. And, right? and that is not an intention. That could be an intention. But it is not the intention of an apology. It's to clean things up right. and, and to be open and create space for people to bloom and go on. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's what she did for you. That's what she did. Yeah. And I, I, I challenge my, like myself, I challenge us, I challenge the listeners. Like, where is it that you could apologize that you didn't do anything wrong that could make a difference in the connections that you have in the world? Yes. To have that open space. You may not remember her name. Can you remember her face? Right? Like there's a connection with somebody that they've done that for you. And when I tried to figure this out for myself, there were times when people were doing things and I've had to apologize for being a man. Not, Not like I'm sorry I'm a man, but I apologize because I was a man and the man had done something. Yeah. Right? And And I was a white and somebody who was white had done something right, right. and i was right. you know and i was married and somebody who was married had done, like all right. those spaces i'm yeah. going like i didn't do anything wrong right? right but i could still apologize yes 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 yeah yeah and then there's the to me there's like the other half of that too right mm-hmm. right like you you apologize you clean it up then how do we accept them yeah how do we accept those apologies mm-hmm. and i think it's it can be life-changing for Many people. It was. It was for me. And I'm pretty sure she will never forgive me, you know, but yeah. it, it was definitely life changing and remarkable for me to share. So thank you for me giving the opportunity to share because I am very transparent and I, I tell people, you know, embrace from wherever it comes from. It doesn't have to look like you. And that was one of my things of battles that I had to endure and and get past of choosing to just embrace how love comes to me you know because for years I wanted it to come from my biological mother are you looking to strengthen your relationships whether personally or professionally 
you want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. You know, you really <laughs> just prompted me to think too when you said I was seen. Like yeah. for the first time I was seen and mm-hmm. I was heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many people maybe don't have that opportunity, don't accept that opportunity that Yes. They- yes. And it was genuine. It was genuine. And I knew, like you said, that seeing and and, and being heard that she met it. She met it and I can't elaborate it enough. She did not look like me. She was a female. Her and her husband was both in the practice, but she was Caucasian and it didn't matter. I knew she knew and met what she said to me and I felt it. I felt it. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about being human, like uh, treating humans as humans, right? And for her to give you that space where you could be heard. Yeah. And seen is a gift. Yes. And when you were just saying about the accepting, you know, I was fortunate to, and she's still involved in my life, but I was fortunate to have a, a godmother from Huntsville, Alabama. And she had seen, she had heard me speak at a conference, gosh, probably now 15 years ago, but I was in that space where I, like I just shared before, I wanted my biological mother to accept me and to love me year after year and even being in their own area, just what would I say and what would I do if I see her? Is this going to be the time that I run into her in the grocery store and she's going to say, Kim, let's build a relationship. I mean, looking at her, even passing her or even people that know us says I'm a split image of her. All 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 the siblings, I look more like her than any of them, you know? And so is this going to be the time that I see her at the gas station like I've seen her before and I can fill her tank up and she want a relationship? Or if I ask her, does she need anything and I can buy the love or whatever? And so that's a haunt. So this woman that had heard me speak at a conference had gave me her email and it took me for about two weeks to email her back and we started talking and she just came right onto my life and started giving me this motherly love unconditional motherly love. Well, like I said, at that space and at the time, I kept pushing. It's like, no, because what I wasn't freeing myself from and accepting was I wanted from this woman that I know that, you know, was part of my creation. (laughs) And if she couldn't, how could you possibly, you know? And so one of the biggest things, and she still continued to be right there for me. And the more I pushed, you know, she, you know, would, you know, know that I'm pushing the away, but still to this day, you know, now we're closer than ever, but I do remember times a season in my life and year that I pushed her away instead of embracing because what I wanted, choosing, you know, feeling like this is, this is something that I shouldn't embrace because Kim wants what Kim wants and Kim wants her biological mother, you know? Until I started to embrace, no, like 
he was saying, embracing and accepting love comes from where God allows it to come. And we have to be ready to accept it because it's part of our journey. Not be afraid of it because it may be for our life, you know, our life changing, our life saving. And I look at, you know, different situations that she was right there had she not had been there, you know, in the gap. Still with me wanting my biological mom to be there, ironically, my life wouldn't be filled where it's at now. Yeah. Thanks, Kimberly. <laughs> what it brought forth is the, you, you mentioned it, but it's the, the concept of uh, unconditional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And the one part is to, to love somebody unconditionally. And the other one is to accept somebody else's love unconditionally. Yeah. Which means... Yeah. This one messed with me for at least three days in my life. I just going like, whoa. Right? <laughs> and it's the that I had a story that I have to be something before somebody could love me. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's conditional yes. accepting of love. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm and then go you know, like, why, why, like one, why would I do that myself? And then I realized, ooh, I'm really good at it. Mm-hmm. I can come up with all kinds of reasons why somebody shouldn't love me. Right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then the other part is, I was going like, well, I want to give unconditional love like i accept them as they are and as they are not right and then it hit me like they haven't learned it either right yeah they're, they're sitting there making up stories of why they can't accept my love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, and to have those conversations about the what conditions we put on ourselves mm-hmm. allows us to set them aside and not have those conditions yeah and to be in a space where you could really just truly accept love although not your mom yeah. Not your biological mom. Exactly. Right? Yes. But still but still somebody who could love you. Yes. Somebody could one of the best feelings to finally accept. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that. But once again, like we were talking about that, Deb, was a choice. Was a choice. And I had to make the choice. Yeah. Yeah. And and to think about yourself as being worthy. Yeah. Right. I mean, there have certainly been times in my life where I've said, I don't, I'm not worthy of that love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. to reveal to yourself, to choose that I am worthy of that. Yes. Like to open up that space for someone to love you and you to love others freely yes. yeah. rather yeah. than like holding back because there's some story you have about not being worthy. Yeah. Well, yeah, Deb, when I finally, did that last what we talked about before we got on air to choose me <laughs> that choosing me can't entwined with the 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 loving me <laughs> loving all of me from head to toe all the flaws all the, the the little planet seeds that was talked about as far as my features and everything but love all of me love my personality you know despite of what I was <laughs> I had heard who I was named after I was named after Kim Hughes <laughs> Because of her sweetness, because of her personality, I interrupted my my adopted mom's story <laughs> when when my my biological father called her and said that the baby was here, which was me, and she said, "Yeah, you interrupted my story." So I said, "The first thing that came in mind was Kim Hughes because <laughs> she's what the, the, the sweetest person." But I learned to love all of me, you know, the personality, the the characteristic, and and things, the foundation of my adopted dad, how he had set you know, the belief and the love for God, you know, so that helped 
entwine that self-worth where I was able to say, even with, uh, you know, my mini, you know, baby girl that says, I'm worthy. I am so much worth being loved and loving and accepting that right love. Yeah. Yeah. I value myself. I value that worth. You know, when I could look back in years, I didn't because I, I really, you know, missed the mark. And then I had to choose, like you, we were talking about, I had to choose me and say, it's not about your children. It's not about the four adult children. It's not about the six grandchildren. It's not about the many. Today is a brand new day. You can choose you. How you want your life to, how you want your day to go? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So this is another place where, will you tell us what else you're doing? Like what other things? You have a book out. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I do. During the year of COVID, I did uh, complete a memoir, The Epitome of Kimmy. And I love music. I love music, all types of music. So I had overheard a lyric that had the epitome and i Google, I was like, oh, I love that word. And I found that epitome is the essence of, you know, things. And I said, oh, I said, that is great. And so I came up with that word. And then Kimmy is what my adopted dad, you know, called me. So I ended up, like I was saying earlier, accepting my whole story and starting from the beginning and going through all the, like laying all the foundation, all my five children and all the marriages and in school and different seasons of my life, I had, you know, had been very transparent in the book. And as I was writing, I think I didn't even get through the first chapter. And I had a a mental therapist sessions, (laughs) a couple of them while I was writing the book. But she didn't know I was writing the book, but she knew I had sessions for something. (laughs) So I was glad of that. But as I was getting through the first chapter, I remember coming up with Accept and Embrace It All. And I published that along with and branded that because that was truly my take. And I had to end up living that to accept and embrace it all. So I was able to also co-author with The Remarkable People, a another book that just got published at the end of this year. So with 12 other amazing authors, so it was, it was, that was a blessing because I was really truly trying to start my, my second book, which was going to be my, my final book. But as I was telling Deb earlier, you know, I had two losses last year. And so God had another plan. So it wasn't that I didn't, wasn't part of a book because I co-offered a, another book with someone, but, and it, it's amazing. It's, it's us as authors sharing our, and it was so funny, Deb, you said earlier about resilience because the chapter that I actually wrote was about resilience. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Right, right. And a bit about, you know, my journey. So I am blessed that that had been able to get published and, and it's out on Amazon and that I'm also doing some mentoring on the side and loving to travel and, and keep inspiring and telling, you know, my story. And I was able to go into another career move just to get an, under my belt another certification because I've been a case manager for so many years. But I used to be a DUI counselor years ago, but I went right back into the drug and alcohol career. And now I'm working for a medication assistant 
training program that's methadone clinic in our in our area. And and that's been a blessing and working all my hours to be certified. So I, I'm steady, you know, bringing out each day the best of me to to give back, you know, but I, I keep in mind in order for me to give the best of me, I have to choose me. So that's where I am. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you for the difference you're making for others. Thank you so much for having me. And your stand for uh, being a space for others to well, not feel alone, but to yeah. feel like there's somebody out there that they can relate to. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for the platform. Without you all, I couldn't be here. So thank you so much. It's been an honor. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.